Okay, we are live, episode 91. Clara Pay with Unite Food. Tim Forrest with Tim Forrest Consulting. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. Clara, I saw a churro. I think I saw a churro. We all love a good churro. Give us the story about Unite Food. When did it start? What's it all about? So Unite was launched last March. So we're a little bit over a year in. And really the whole company um, grew out of like a lot of food founders out of my own personal frustrations and not finding the foods that I wanted to eat on the shelf. And like not, you know, I saw this great opportunity to welcome more people into wellness by creating globally inspired, inclusive flavor profiles in the protein bar set. Okay, so we know that set. I know it very well. I, I hang out there all the time, looking around, getting my feel going. Yeah. Um, everybody knows I'm big into balanced nutrition. I'm, I like protein. Um, give us some differentiating factors. Like, let's just talk about it. When you were starting it, what what made you gravitate towards that um, towards that area of the uh, you know of, of, of food and beverage? What what was it? What were the key things? So before, I've never been a food entrepreneur before. So this is my first time in the food space. So before this, I ran a plumbing manufacturing business, if you can believe that, for 17 years. And so I was stuck at my desk or commuting or traveling all over the world, you know, for our plumbing business. And so I always relied on protein bars. And I wasn't one of those food entrepreneurs that looked at a set and said, what's missing and how can I plug it in? It really was, I didn't like the taste of protein bars. And I thought, well, why don't I like them? And I had this epiphany where I realized, oh, they're all the same flavor. They're all vanilla and chocolate and peanut butter. And it doesn't matter which brand I choose. They're the same flavors being offered. And now that I'm in this space, I know that that's what sells. And that's why, what, that's why that's what people make. And they just keep making the same thing. But it was this unique point of view that I had being an immigrant where I didn't see like the flavors that I grew up eating represented. And so that was really the differentiating factor. Other than that, you know, I hated the way that they were always dry or grainy or just didn't have bad aftertastes. And so I just started from a place of, if I made this in my kitchen, which is how I made the first ones, you know, what would I, you know, starting from scratch, what would I put into it? And so our first ingredients are nut butter. It's either almond butter or peanut butter. And then I, you know, put in hemp seeds and cashews and, you know, little crunchy bits to give it texture. And that's how it started. So the point of differentiation was just you know, started reinventing the wheel from scratch, not necessarily wanting to plug in and see uh, what was missing. How did you uh, get from the kitchen to potentially, I guess, maybe a commercial kitchen and or a co-packer? What, what did that transition look like? Explain that to, to those that are watching. Yeah. So because I came from the plumbing industry, it's super high liability. I was like, there's no way in heck I'm going to make these bars myself, right? Like that is not a liability I want to take on or, you know, have the know-how to do. So I made the first formulas and then I worked with a really great food scientist who helped turn them, you know, into like a commercially viable formula for me. And then I, you know, went and interviewed co-packers and found one and kind of invested in a larger scale one because I didn't want to, you know, I wanted this to be for scale. So I wanted to be able to always have a solid foundation in plumbing. I owned my own factories. You know, we have 500 employees. We can control the supply chain and that's not as easy to do in food. Um, but it is, so it was really important for me to align with a tier one supplier. So March, 2020, uh, we kind of all remember that uh, time. Um, yeah. What what were first distribution points? I mean, we could talk about what was about to occur in like the, immediately when you started, where did you start selling it? Was it online or did you find a few local retailers? 
So that's exactly right. So I, you know, was supposed to be at Expo West and we were going to have this launch. And I was like, oh, that's where I'm going to meet retailers and I'm going to introduce the brand to them. And obviously that didn't happen. But our first um, point of distribution was online and on Amazon and on our own direct-to-consumer site. And then I just literally walked it into my favorite store, which is Bristol Farms down the street from my house and talked to the store manager and said, hey, like, you know, would you give us a shot? And he introduced us to the local buyer and we came in on a local program and um, got a really good data story that way. Um, you know, we were able to sell a ton of bars um, and parlayed that into, you know, kind of more points of distribution and, you know, got signed up with Kehi and Unify. And so just like, you know, last year was really about setting the groundwork. Got it. Okay. That, uh, that does set the ground. Now, I, I like the experience. A lot of people won't uh, necessarily understand, but immediately when you said that, I started thinking about supply chain and things like that. Um, if you are in a large organization, you're dealing with different types of people and personalities. So that's always helpful. Um, because again, even if you don't have a team um, for Unite, you're dealing with so many different vendors and it all is relationship-based. That's a key, key piece to uh, building out a business is understanding that that relationships are what gets you to the next level. So let's talk post-March, uh, April and May comes around and you realize that things are, are changing a bit. Uh, what were you doing at the time exactly? Like what, 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 what did you do as far as maybe changing your, your strategy? Well, let's be honest, I, the business is named Unite at a time when the entire world imploded around unification and diversity and inclusion. So we found ourselves on the cover of like food and beverage magazine. And I'm such a nerd, right? And they did this whole article on us on Unite. Um, diversity is delicious, right? And like, that was like, kind of like what I was trying to get across because I see food as this great ability to connect people. And so just our brand name alone, like gave us, you know, some introduction into spaces that we normally wouldn't have have had. And it wasn't like, again, I masterminded it. This was really out of my own experience. It just happened that the timing was right to launch a brand named Unite. But it was, you know, and our mission is about inviting more people into wellness so that everybody has a seat at our table. And so a lot of people, so our, our really, our strategy was to continue to speak about our mission and, you know, create interest. And then obviously I'm a minority founder. I'm a woman founder. So a lot of different retailers are very interested in speaking, you know, to, to a segment of consumers that's been overlooked and is also growing rapidly in population. So I think we just, we had a good um, product and we, it came along at the right time. And so that has really been, you know, now it's just about knocking on the doors and hopefully getting some answered. As a founder and someone who's starting in, in, into food and beverage brand new, right? Again, you, you said it like you, you've never been involved with something <laughs> like this. Um, what do you think if we, if we nailed three different things that people don't understand or maybe um, overlook when starting a company like this? Could, could you identify those and maybe talk just a little bit about, about them? Sure. Like channel strategy is really important. So in my previous legacy business, you know, your channels were big box retailers or, or wholesalers, right? And there weren't like a ton of distributors in the way um, and different types of distributors. So I think having a, a, a high level view, what is your channel? Where, you know, where is your end consumer going to buy you and pick you up? Because in food, there's so many different ones. It's really, you can create a craft a strategy that's different than anybody else. And, you know, you don't have to follow a playbook. So I think channel strategy is one. Second is margin. I mean, this is a penny business. So it's very, um, you know, in plumbing, I could like make 
a year's supply of, you know, faucets and put them on a shelf if I wanted to, right? And just draw on them. You know, you've got shelf life here. So really being capital efficient with your inventory and making sure, you know, that you are using every dollar wisely is super important, much more important than other businesses. I mean, it's always important capital efficiency. And the third one is brand. So that was one thing that I invested in because, you know, I see the CPG and the P is right in the middle. And so your packaging is your only chance to really jump off the shelf and, and introduce yourself to somebody who doesn't know who they are. So, you know, I, you know, you could use 99 designs or some inexpensive way, but I would not, you know, if you are serious about launching a business in CPG, you have to start with strong packaging and it's non-negotiable. I like all three of those. I like the one where you say it's a penny business because I said that so many times uh, and we talk specifically about margin, how it's that's aligned to exactly that. Um, I think branding and, and the marketing aspect is, is, is an animal in itself, but going back to it, because you also talked about uh, you know efficiency with cash and the like, it's all aligned and has to do with uh, the money that you have in, in your business and how it's going to go out the door uh, in every aspect. So if you don't have margin from day one, it's going to be a really, really tough road unless you have a really, really rich uncle. And, um, and so, you know, I, 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 it, it, sometimes, again, people get that confused about, you know, if you're at the far, farmer's market and maybe you're doing hand-to-hand -hand transactions and, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it at the house, so it's more expensive. Well, that's just to get some testing going. Do you have something? But if it's viable, right, you have data then, like people tell you, this is amazing, or they tell you this sucks, or, you know, you take all the data and you say, do I have something here? You have to understand, is the product in its full form? package ready to go out the door last penny spent on it is there margin is there margin and i would say you better be north of 50 percent. i know that's again hear that i'm just telling you that's what it is so uh anyway i like that a lot i like i, I like your answers um let's get into where you're at right now and where you are going to be or like to be let's say in the next 12 months um so right now we're in about um today, like in about a thousand retailers and that's like nationwide. And then we're getting on to, it's not public yet, so I can't say, but next month we're launching at a major retailer. And so that will be very exciting um, and give us a really great brand opportunity. But the interesting thing is with our product, like we appeal to the natural channel, but we also appeal to the mass. So, you know, it's when I talk about channel strategy for us, it's really can be confusing because there are lots of opportunities. Um, and so we just hope to, you know, we want to make the people that invest in us successful. And one of our core values is always exceeding shareholder expectations. And so that is, you know, and that's the shareholder, meaning the customer and meaning your retailers and everybody involved in the supply chain. So we want to create value as much as possible, intrinsic and extrinsic value. Very cool. I like it. I like the story. We could go on. We could definitely go on. But um, you did a really, really great job. And I enjoyed that. Uh, Clara, I put your info there. Unite Food. Tim Forrest, let's talk about consulting. Sure, Give it to you. us. <laughs> thank you, Mark. Hey, I appreciate you inviting me on. I, um, listening to Clara is a consulting opportunity for everyone here. 
And I would suggest everyone reach out and wherever there's an opportunity to listen to Clara share some more insight on what she's talking about, really jump on that because she has a lot. Now, and as far as me and, and my background, I started loading food trucks 30 years ago, Mark. I know you talk about your four years in, uh, in the food business, but I began 30, uh, 30 years ago, then worked for about a decade with the biggest brands in the world, started my consulting company 23 years ago. And so I help, there's different areas I help, I help my clients in. Um, just to give you an idea, just real simple, buyers are buying companies, not products. And so they're looking for value. Uh, that you're going to deliver to their shoppers. And that, that transforms to everything that I do with my clients. The next piece of that, they're not, they're not buying products. They're buying, uh, they're, buying pro they're buying solutions and problems. So the problem is much more important than the product itself. And then the last piece, I'm in the business of geography. You know, Clara mentioned channels, but so much of what I do is teach and walk my clients through geography lessons on their business. And it's amazing how powerful that is for business. I'll give you uh, one of your neighbors, Mark, has an $8 million business. And so they were selling nationwide and we did a little uh, project with them and they discovered within a hundred miles of their plant, uh, very close, just within a few miles of you, they were um, within 100 miles they were doing, there was $400 million worth of purchases in the category. And they were going nationwide. They stopped going across the Mississippi and that's the first year they were profitable. And I've got about nine, nine other areas that I help um, clients in. If anybody's interested, they can send me an email, tim at timforest.com. I can send it to them. I also teach three workshops. I teach for the biggest brands in the world. I teach a food broker management process. It's about a three-day program. And I um, do that as well for uh, food entrepreneurs. I just did that last week for a tiny, tiny company out of North Carolina. And then um, if you've got an interesting product, innovative product, and you'd like to talk to me, you can jump on my schedule at Tim. At Tim Forrest, uh, Tim at timforest.com is my email, but you can jump over on my schedule at timforestmarkets.com if you have an innovative item and you're interested in talking to me about it. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other questions, Mark, about consulting? That's, no, that's awesome. And, and people will be able to find you because I'm going to put Tim's info's there or here, here, there. Claire's info's there or here, or here. Uh, enjoyed having you both on. Have a great rest of the week. It's going to be a good one. I feel it. Be well. I love it. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Mark.